everyone, and welcome back to Disney Geeks, the podcast. I am one of your hosts, Carolyn. And I'm Rod. How's it going, Carolyn? Oh my gosh, it is good. It is a wonderful Saturday. How is you? How, how, how are you doing today? I'm doing awesome. You know, it is very cold here in Florida. I'm 100% enjoying it. It's like 58 degrees right now, and I'm living for it. Oh my gosh, that is so nice. It is actually pretty chilly here in California as well. And then it's going to get warm next weekend when I go to Disney, of course. I mean, you know, it's it's good to have a little bit of warm. If it's like a decent warm, Disneyland at the parks is great. But once it gets to like those summer months where you're like, I'm dying and I would like, especially, I don't know what it is. California Adventure is always 10 times hotter than Disneyland. Really? I always feel it's the opposite. I always feel like DCA is so much cooler than Disneyland in the summer. Maybe. (laughs) We're the the exact opposite. Yeah, so it's supposed to be like 80, which I guess isn't terrible, but it's been in like the 60s and 70s, which is like my favorite park weather Mm -hmm. maybe ever. I just love being able to wear like a light shirt and jeans or leggings and comfy boots and it's going to be like warm again. So I'm going to have to figure that out what I'm going to wear, but I'm excited to be going back to the parks and yeah, so that's, that's that's how things are going in, in our world. But today we are talking about it's solo, a star Wars story, right? Yep. That is officially it. I got it right. Yeah. Oh no. You got it right. Last time I got it completely wrong and I said it all kinds of weird. So props to you for saying it correctly on the first try. I was, I I really, I really tried on that one because you know, as we said last week, I actually have not seen this one until today, but I did do my homework, yes. which was to see if I could find the Batu references. And like, I think I kind of found three of them. So three. Obviously, wow. Yes. So obviously Coaxium, which okay. is in the Millennium Falcon ride, because mm-hmm. we have to go get the Coaxium, which is a big part of this movie. So that's one. Mm-hmm. And then this probably can't technically be considered a Batu reference, but the little, um, I think his name was Rio, the little guy with all the arms. He says he's thinking about opening up a cantina somewhere warm. Okay. Batu is a very warm planet. But then they did reference the Black Spire. So I think yes. that's the one that you are probably talking about as a reference. I'd either go there's a reference to it I don't remember how they say it but I when they said that I was like that's the one he was thinking of but I because I was looking for it I found other things and I'm like oh that could be a reference there is actually one more that I didn't think about until just now and it'll happen when we start our when we start our recap and we'll get into that okay. in a second but it does reference close to what you're talking about with the coaxium so um I know that you said that this is the first time you saw it but like kind of what like obviously you probably had seen all the stuff at the parks them talking about it so any memories at all at least like with the promotion of it or anything like that yes so i was actually thinking about this and i went and i looked up the release date of the film which is 2018 so this is a newer star wars film and the reason i'm like 95% sure the reason why I didn't see this film was because The Last Jedi came out the year before and I got I we will talk about this when we get to The Last Jedi that's that movie just made me so angry at Star Wars like I I think I boycotted it for like until um The Rise of Skywalker came out and then I was like well I have to see how it ends but I was so just so upset I'm pretty sure that's why I never saw the film and like I'd heard mixed things about it 
in regards to its production and it having kind of a rough schedule. And I think the reviews on it were mixed too. So there was never really that desire to go see it, even though I'm a huge Game of Thrones fan. Obviously, Amelia Clark is in this, but that wasn't enough of a draw for me to really like want to see it. Uh, so that was why I don't think I, I saw it. But yeah, I, I, I like remember it coming out, but I don't really remember having any distinct memories um, outside of just hearing that it was was kind of a mixed mixed review of the film. What about you? Do you kind of remember seeing this? Um, I remember seeing it. And to be honest, I don't remember how I felt in the very beginning. Obviously, we'll get to it when we get to the end of this film. Um, but it was just kind of like one of those like, it was, it was there. I heard a lot of about the production of it where basically they changed the story a ton. They thought that the actor who did Han was so bad that they actually gave him acting lessons. Like, it was a whole, whole ordeal. Oh my gosh. And which I think is kind of BS because the actor, um, I recognized him because he was in a movie called Beautiful Creatures. And... Like, he wasn't bad in that one. Like, he was the lead for that. He, like, delivered well. And I remember, I mean, the movie didn't do amazing. But, like, he kept up with, like, Emma Thompson and Jeremy Irons in that movie. So the fact that he can keep up with those people and then they said, oh, he can't act. We have to give him acting lessons. Like, that just, it seemed kind of weird to me. Like, I don't think he did as poorly as people are saying he did. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, I don't think he's a bad actor, I personally don't like him as Han Solo. I don't think he had enough of the the Han swagger that we're so familiar with uh, Harrison Ford having. Yes. So I think I think that's my I personally didn't like him in this very much or at all. But I don't really think that he's a bad actor. He just I don't think fully embodied this character who we all know really well. And I can agree with that. That I think. he's a good actor it's just what was I think it's a mixture of things it's always like what's presented to you and how the script is done like part of it too is you can't just blame the actor because if the director says don't do this do it this way you have to do that in order to get paid so if that if the director said for him to act the way that he acted and they're happy with that then it is what it is you can't blame the actor for not embodying it exactly because maybe in the end the director didn't know how to get someone to embody Han Solo. Yeah, that's also an interesting point because I didn't realize until I got to the end of the movie that Ron Howard had directed this. Uh-huh. And this didn't, I'm not that I say I'm a, I'm a huge Ron Howard fan, but based on the films that I know he's done, this didn't feel like a very Ron Howard movie to me. And I, I think also based on a lot of the cast performances, I would have expected them to be a lot better because of who directed it. Exactly. I think I think that's what I'm trying to say here is because he is so well known in Hollywood like that actually is I think what shocked me more. And I was like, "Oh, I I would have expected a lot of this to be a lot more on point." Yep. <laughs> Fair enough. Um so I guess I guess with that, I mean, you I, you kind of I guess going into it, how many lightsabers would you give it then? I mean, I would probably say my expectation was going to be probably like five lightsabers. Okay. That that was where I expected it to be, just based on what I knew of the production and what what I'd heard people saying about it. Like I'd heard some people really liked it, but other people really didn't like it. So I was kind of of 
I was expecting it to be right in the middle. Like, not really great, but not really bad either. What about you? What is your rating based on your memory of it? Yeah, um, I think mine was, like, a 7 out of 10, just because I was excited for another Star Wars movie. Uh, kind of, you know, like, a C, like, it was a happy medium. Like, it's Star Wars, like, I'm super excited. But also, I the same thing with you, I heard about production and all that, that I was just like, ooh, this, I'm not coming in with these, like, strong, strong suits of all that. All right, so let's delve right back into this. So this is where um, we kind of get, it's kind of weird because this is the first time that we will, because this came after Rogue One and um, we'll get into it, but like with Rogue One, they just go straight into it. Whereas this one, they're like, let's give a little bit of background, just like we do with like all the other Star Wars movies. So it was like an interesting take of like kind of sort of trying to do Star Wars with like, here's the text in space, but but yeah, it was basically but just not like, really. Yeah, but not really. They're like, like yeah, like I was expecting because I remember seeing Rogue Welcome. We'll talk about that next week. But I was expecting to see the standard Star Wars like title sequence and the way that they did the text by like just like kind of like flashing it on the screen. I was like, oh, this is different. I don't, I don't know how I feel about this. Can we just redo this and do the regular Star Wars intro, please? Yes. Like, if you're going to try to do Star Wars, just do Star Wars. So we basically learned that there are, um, there's a, um, a crime boss that is on the planet of Corellia, which is the other Black Spire, or the Batu reference, because they, as you said before, they go get Quaxium and they say, we're going to the planet Corellia. Um, so basically they go to Corellia, which is where Han Solo is from. And basically they're saying that they have this crime boss that is in charge of everything and in charge of these orphans, um, but they want to escape and have a new life. And so that's where we meet Han Solo, who is uh, chasing after these people who, um, I think it's Clarkson. I can't remember exactly what the little thingies were. Like, this is, you're already going to learn already, this is not one of my favorites. So I'm like, I don't remember every <laughs> single tiny detail. Um, but basically, Yes, it was Coaxium. That's what I thought. Yeah, because that was what they use. Basically, we find out that Coaxium is worth a lot of money. Um, because it's the fuel that gets them around to everywhere they go. So if you have coaxium, then you can either trade it for a lot of money or you can basically barter with someone and be like, look, this is coaxium. If you take this and let us go do this, which we see in a minute, then you can then make a lot of money because of what it is. So yeah, he definitely has the coaxium because he's going to use that to basically escape the planet with his girl, Kira. Yep. Um, but before we get to any of that, he gets, he gets captured by the crime boss. Again, I do not remember her name. I just remember she's like, she reminds me of what people have described as the alien encounter in Magic Kingdom whenever that was a thing. Mm. So that's just what I picture her as. It was Lady Proxima. That's it, I was like... And she, like, when she popped out of the, like, uh, water or whatever it is, I was like, I was not expecting you to look like that. Yeah, me neither. The fact that she's also <laughs> stuck in this little pond and she's that powerful, I don't buy it. Um, So there's Lady Proxima. And Lady Proxima is also, like, I... The one thing that kind of bothers me about this, which I'm, um, this whole entire thing that they set up, there's like, I, we never see them again, which is going to be a, mm-hmm. a common theme in this movie is they introduce these characters and then we never see them again. So that's something that bothered yes. me with this. It's just like, okay, we set up this whole thing and like, this is where his world is and what he's dealt with. Instead of spending a little bit more time with it. Um, they just decide to say, okay, here's Lady Proxima. We like put sun in there and then she goes back into the water and can't do anything. Yeah. It was very much like, you know, this is her weakness. It's, it seems like 
I don't know, for being such a big like crime lord, it's a it's a pretty pretty easy thing to like figure out and do. But then this leads their, you know, our first chase through I don't even remember the name of the city. I don't remember the name of the city either. But it's, but I just I remember just being Corellia, like the city of Corellia. But we the other thing that I guess is where we're starting to get the intro is like, oh, he's trying to be Han Solo. And or at least they're trying to give you like a Han Solo moment of like, here's how he tries to get out of things, because that's always his thing is that Han Solo puts himself in situations and he has to get himself out of them. So yes, he goes to a chase scene and he takes his girlfriend Kira because they're going to try to escape the planet. Um, So they basically get to the airport where they're trying to get out. And they, as you said, they barter the coaxium to get them passage um, onto one of the ships. Unfortunately, the Lady Proximus people get there at the same time and they basically get to capture Kira and Han gets to go through. So because of all that, he says, I'll come back for you. Like, I'll figure it out and come back for you. And he enlists in the Imperial Army. And that's where he gets his name because he says, what's your last name? He's like, I'm just Han. He's like, you're by yourself. So you're Han Solo. (laughs) Again, not really what I was like expecting for the origin of his name, but it is what it is. And this part really, this part threw me for a loop because... He, he becomes basically a stormtrooper. Yes. Like he goes, he wants to be a pilot, but then we find out he gets kicked out. They do a chime hop of three years and you just see him. He's like battling. I don't remember the planet that they're on. I don't even know if they say it is Memban. Okay. So they're on some planet. It's very muddy. Um, and he's like fighting in a, with a bunch of stormtrooper type. They weren't fully stormtroopered, but yeah, he basically becomes a stormtrooper and fights in their infantry. He wanted to be a pilot, but then we find out that he gets, got like kicked out basically because <laughs> he's got he's got too much so i got he doesn't follow the rules he doesn't right? and rules. then we we meet woody harrelson's character which and, is beckett oh my gosh beckett yes and thaddy newton which i forget her name yeah i can't remember the name of that kid. see this this is the other problem we end up meeting this dude for five seconds this is why i don't remember his name but you're right we meet tobias beckett and the dude with a million arms um and they are and the, the gal that's with them Yes. And so they win the battle or whatever, but he also finds out later that Beckett actually wasn't part of the army at all and that he just was sneaking in to grab some stuff and smuggle some stuff basically and then head out. So he tries to get his way onto the ship and Beckett's like, nope, we don't want anything to do with you. And so they turn him in to the Empire. The Empire then says, hey, we're going to like throw you in with this monster. He's evil and the worst and you'll never survive. He's evil. And they throw... Yep. And they throw him down and we meet Chewbacca. Chewbacca. I, I I was not expecting, again, everything in this movie I really wasn't expecting, but this was not, again, how I thought he would meet Chewbacca. I was, I like, I was really mad for a hot minute. And then I was like, oh no, Chewie, don't hurt him. Don't hurt him. He your friend. And then when he started <laughs> talking in Wookiee, I was like, what? What? <laughs> It was so ridiculous. Honestly, same. actually, like once they they started doing the scene, I was like, okay, this is like amusing, but I was just not expecting that at all. And then eventually they work together and escape, but they don't really work together. It's like they just like keep like butting heads, but they're chained yes. together, so they both have to go to the same place. Well, what's also like what I don't understand is we have never, ever, 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 ever seen that Han knows Wookiee at all. And then I'm like, also yes. on the other hand, we have never seen that Chewbacca. Like, like when did Chewbacca learn 
I forget. Uh, oh my god, what is it called? Insert. It's standard. I think that's what they call English. I think that's what it's called. They call it standard. And that's why I'm like in my head. I'm trying to remember what it is. I think it's called standard. Um, but anyways, like the fact that he knows that and then they converse with each other. I'm like, if he understands, why are you speaking to him in Wookiee then? Like we might as well just keep the way that it's always been. That like we you understand Wookiee. We don't need you to. We we know this. Like you just have done a throwaway line of like. I was on, I was stationed on Kashyyyk for like a year and I know blah, blah, blah. Like you didn't have to like speak Wookiee, which was real awkward for me. Super awkward. But maybe they did that as a way for Han to like get Chewbacca to trust Han because otherwise he would have still just kept like trying to eat him because he, he's hungry. Like they said they haven't fed him in three days, which is rude. Just so rude. Yes. Fair, fair enough. Um, so basically, we then get to the next part, which is they get onto the ship, and we learn that they're just a band of smugglers. Um, you find out Tobias Beckett has a girlfriend. Again, we don't meet her long enough for me to care what her name is. Um, he has a girlfriend, and they basically all have their own little story as to why they've all deserted whatever life they had, and they just have been together on this thing. So they decide they're on a mission to go steal a bunch of coaxium for Beckett's boss. So they go to this planet. Again, don't really remember the planet. Honestly, this planet reminds me of that scene in Captain America First Avenger where, where Bucky dies. <laughs> where Bucky dies. Yes. That was the first thing I thought of. You all couldn't see me freaking out. <laughs> like I was just literally doing a, a fist pump because that's the exact same thing that I thought of when I saw this scene. It was like, let me copy your homework, Marvel, but I'm not really going to change anything. And this whole entire sequence of them trying to get the coaxium off the train, obviously it's different, but it is so, so similar and the same. It's like they just like took the CGI from that and decided to use it here. The that's exactly what it felt like. So yes, that we basically are having a replay of Captain America, the first Avenger. Um, and we meet <laughs> these people that are basically, they call them pirates, um, but they're something called Emphis Nest. And they're a band of marauders that always like seem to get in their way of the things that they're trying to do and their smuggling and all that stuff. Um, in the end, we end up losing, again, I don't remember his name, the guy with the multiple arms, um he ends up dying which here we go which he was a great character but when he died and they did like the sad music i was like we met him five minutes ago i don't care enough to like be like it's sad that he died but i'm not like oh no he died my favorite character out of this entire movie like i didn't care like i really didn't care yeah this happens a lot like now that we're like talking about it 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 actually does happen i feel like a lot like they'd introduce characters like you said with proxima and then with um thaddy newton's character and rio it's like you like meet them and then all of a sudden no more they're like they're like gone and i actually really like i thought he was really funny he was like kind of a sassy like side character i was like that really sucks but also with this scene like this i can't remember at what point i was like well, this is really obvious. Like something's going to happen to the guy flying the ship. So Han's going to have to go up and save the day. Um, it felt really obvious and really heavy handed, like in terms of like, that is what was going to happen. And then it happened. Also, how can they hear each other? Like um, Beckett is down on the train yelling up at Han, who is in the ship. And how can like, it has to be so loud and noisy and they don't have any obvious earpieces 
So how can they hear each other above all of this I chaos? I can't use the force for this one because they're not force people. So I can't use the force as an excuse. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. I'm like, was this the force too? Is it that magical? Are they force sensitive? No, these people are not force sensitive. So I don't. I have no idea. Um, I also just looked this up. It was not a girlfriend. It was his wife, Val, that dies too. So I'm... I apologize for having that misinformation about his, about Beckett's wife. But it really wasn't clear that she was his wife. It's not. Unless I completely missed that. They just seemed like they were like, you know, just like together, but not, you know, Yeah, who knows? Yeah, like according to what I'm looking up, it says wife. But you know what? Like you said, it's not clear. We just know they're together in some capacity. Um, But yeah, she died too. Um, Because she sacrifices herself. And this is also, if you know the Millennium Falcon ride, it's very reminiscent of that, of just, we're going to explode it, and then the train falls over, and blah, blah, blah. It also, that part reminds me of Anastasia, where they blow up the track in the middle of, like, (laughs) the gorge, and they just fall down to their deaths. So, yeah, we get through all that, and we have a mournful moment, because the only people that are left is Han, Chewie, and Beckett. But they also lose the coaxium, which is a big thing. Yes, yes, yes. So they said, basically, it's a huge deal because now Beckett's like, after go report to Dryden Voss, who is the leader of Crimson Dawn, who is bigger than all the other crime lords combined, and I'm basically on my deathbed. And Han's like, no, we'll go and fix this because I get us out of everything, and we're going to, like, deal with this. And ironically, I guess they must have known that he was on that planet because miraculously the ship for the Crimson Dawn is there. It just appears. It just appears. And then they go go to the ship and we meet Dryden. Is that his name? Dryden? Yes, Dryden Voss. Dryden Voss? Yes. Voss with a V. Okay, Dryden Voss, who's played by Paul Bettany. AKA Vision. Yeah, which I which I didn't know. And so Carolyn had another freak out moment. <laughs> I was like, what the what is he doing in this? Uh so very weird moment. But I actually really like I actually enjoyed him in this. He was one of the people who I thought did such a like, good job. He had a very small role. Uh, but I absolutely love the the vision, the vision in this. I will try and not call him Vision. I will really try, but I can't guarantee anything. Well, especially especially since he's Dryden Voss, and, and it's very close to Vision. You know, very very close to Vision. It is just just a little. And we also find Kira is yes. on this ship, so she has somehow escaped. She won't be. She is not telling Han how she got off the planet or what she's been doing for the past couple of years. But it doesn't sound like it's been that great based on how she is acting. Nope. Nope. Um, and so basically, oh, because this is also a big deal because Beckett told Han, don't talk to anybody, don't see anything. I'm just trying to get us see Dryden Voss and get on our way. And so he's like, dude, I told you not to talk to anybody. He's like, but this is my old girlfriend who I'm still in love with. Like, isn't she great? Isn't she pretty? And this is when we also find out that Kira is also Dryden Voss's side girl. Lieutenant? I don't even know. I think it's honest. Like, it's like weird. It's like she's got power, but not really. But like... She's one of those, like, I'll, the way we describe it is kind of like the mistress of, like, a king. Where, like, I'll give you, like, the bedside chatter that's, like, this is what you probably should do. But it's not, she's not, like, the mistress that's, like, hidden. She's, like, very clearly, like, I, I'm Dryden Boss's homegirl. Yes. It, they call her his lieutenant. But, yeah, their relationship is very, it's very clearly not just 
you know, she's a lieutenant. There's definitely a lot, a lot going on. They sit very close. Yes, yes. He's very touchy. It's very. Hmm. He's very touchy feely with her. Um, so basically, they come up with a plan where he says, "Oh, yeah, very touchy feely." Um, so basically, they come up with a plan that they are. Uh, Han comes up with it actually because their dragon boss is like, "You guys failed me. I'm gonna kill you all now." Too bad, so sad. He's like, "Actually, let's go to Kessel." where they mine the coaxium and we'll just steal a bunch and bring it back. And he's like, I know that it's not going to be, I forget what the term that they use. It's basically not like made the way it's supposed to be done yet. It's unrefined. So they have to go through the process of like refining it. So it's basically unstable. And um, when it's unstable, it can basically explode. So it can't get above a certain temperature. Otherwise everything goes So they have to find a way to get it to the refinery very quickly. Otherwise, the ship they're on will go kablooey. 100%. And so that's where they go. And they decide that they're going to go do all this. And Dryden Voss says, basically, if you don't get the coaxium, it's going to kill you first. So either I will kill you or the coaxium will kill you. And Kira, and basically Kira goes and she insists that she's got to go to make sure that it's delivered because I, she doesn't want them to fail and all this jazz. So they decide they need to go get a ship. And Kira says, I know where to get one. And so they go, and this is where we meet Lando Calrissian. So good. I love Donald Glover in this role. He... He's the perfect young embodiment of Lando. Like, he was so well cast and he did it so well. And I think that's why I mentioned earlier, like, the Han Solo didn't quite live up to the swagger. I think, especially when you compare it to Donald Glover with Lando, you're just like, like, clearly, clearly you understood the assignment and you did it well. And yeah, this is, this was such a fun scene seeing them gamble and obviously you think this is where han sorry i almost called him luke where han wins the falcon but we find out that lando you know is a a little he's he's a cheater so he cheats at the game and wins basically so they don't get the ship but then you know they convince him to come join their team because he has some debts that he needs to pay off so the money from the Kessel Run, whatever you're going to call it, uh, will basically help pay those debts. So that's how he gets roped into being part of the group. And we also meet his um, very activist, you know, that she's like an droid activist. There we go. Droid activist. Those are the words I was trying to find. She's a very droid droid activist uh, with like little sidekick L3. Yes, L3 is great. Honestly, L3 is another one that she she definitely is. She replaced the comedic relief of, what was it, Rim, Sim, whatever his name was? Rio. Mo- yeah, there we go, Rio, whatever. Rio. Um, the dude that I don't care about because he died within five seconds of meeting him. Um, so L3 kind of replaces that comedic role, but I do definitely love L3 with all of this. It's so funny. Um, that's where we meet. She makes that Batu reference, or she's like, uh, Kessel, you wouldn't even make it to Black Spire Outpost without me. <laughs> yeah, she's really saucy and really funny. Uh, I enjoy her her 
character a lot. Uh, and that's when they are then off on their merry way to go collect the coaxium. So we see them as they're traveling through. It's the maelstrom, basically. So yes. they have to follow a very specific path through the maelstrom. Otherwise, they, bad things will happen. Things yes. will boom. Like yes. there's things in there that you don't want to deal with. And in this part, I... I, I really hate the scene with Kira and Han where it's literally like they redid the Han and Leia moment from Empire Strikes Back when they're in the closet. Mm -hmm. It was, I, oh, I got so mad. I was like, you didn't even do it well. You didn't even do it well. Yeah, it was definitely one of those where Han is like, hey, like, I missed you and I've always loved you. And she's like, same broski, but like, I can't. I've done such bad things and I'm a bad person and blah, blah, blah. The honestly, the I don't care. exactly, I don't care. The only thing that I cracked up with this like little moment was when Kira is in is in the cockpit with L three. Like this entire scene just cracks me up. Where she's like, L three just goes in like, I'm sure it's pretty obvious. Lando's in love with me, and Kira's just like, <laughs> okay, sure. And she's like, how would that even work? And Elder goes, oh, it works. And I just, like, my brain went, <laughs> right? Lando, like, what is this? Like, Lando, what are you doing with all three? Or, like, maybe it wasn't with Lando, but, like, someone else. So, you know, you just, yeah, that part was really funny. And you also get the kind of callback to the the game that they were playing in yes. New Hope on the... Yes. on the table and Chewbacca losing and getting mad so there's some like cute callbacks in this scene but yeah it's mainly just kind of getting to know the characters as they're on their way to do the the castle run yep so the they make their way into Kessel yep they make their way into Kessel they land and they come up with this plan that um Chewie and Han are prisoners and are going to be basically new slaves for um the mining and this is where we also learn that most of the slaves that are there are Wookiees which is really sad. Like, this is where, I mean, I guess that's what happened when the Empire took over Kashyyyk. They just said, hey, Wookiees, you're doing whatever we want now. But basically, we then get L3 as a distraction, decides to create a revolt, and says, be free, the entire time. And that just causes <laughs> huge chaos. Um, Han and Chewie, Han and Chewie get coaxium to head it over to the ship. Um, but since Chewie sees a bunch of his fellow Wookiees, it's very, like, he feels that kinship and Han basically says go be with your people I will figure this out like no worries like just go be happy Chewie leaves and then literally moments later as you know it's always that um uh oh my gosh what's that literary term ex moxina I think is the term where it's like just in the moment of like when you think everything's gonna go wrong and it just happens all of a sudden. Chewie just shows up again and goes I'm gonna help you Han we got this yeah with his with his Wookiee buddy <laughs> Yep, with his Wookiee buddy. And so that's where you basically learn. And it's actually a sweet moment where, like, once they actually get out, Chewie's just like, I wish I could go with you, but these are my, like, he's my new family now. And Yay. so they go out and they go take the Quaxium onto the ship. And as they do, that's when we're starting to see the big battle that's going on and everyone's fighting. But this is where we also get the sad. This one I actually felt a little bit sad with because we spent more time with this character, but we lose L3. I know, that was really sad. Or we almost lose L3. L3 gets blasted like a ton. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, it's the, it's the, it's the ending of L3, which is really, 
really like that one was the saddest one out of all of them because you do get to spend a little bit more time with her but again to your point it's like we keep bringing in all these characters and it's like oh but you're gonna die now too uh so just love love that no don't love that we don't love that no it's just just really sucked in terms of a movie because it's like you want to like invest in the characters and i feel like some of these side characters are better than the people that we're supposed to be following and caring about like in this whole scene it's like i didn't really care what kira was doing like l3 was like way better with her droids and like revolt be free i don't know make up your own mind i gotta do this like is that whole part was so good and like you did kind of care about what han and chewie were doing with the coaxium because that's i don't know higher stakes but yeah just this whole sequence it like that's the part you care about the most and it's like okay well now we lose l3 this like really sucks uh but one of the things that i also noticed in this scene is woody harrelson's character i don't remember any of their names his name is beckett Beckett, I was going to say Dresden. I knew that was not right. Uh, Beckett is wearing Lando's costume from Return of the Jedi when he goes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Yep, yep. Yes. So I love that. I did enjoy that callback. But yeah, so L3 dies on the ship and they're like, okay, we got to we gotta get out of here. So Han is piloting the ship out and they run into an Imperial... What are the Imperial ships? Star Destroyer. Star Destroyer. Star Destroyer. So they are going through the Maelstrom to get the Quaxium back to um, whatever planet they need to get to to have it refined. Savarine. Savarine. And Lando is like, we are already behind. Like, you need to, like, hurry it up. Otherwise, we're all going to die. And then they see the Destroyer. And Han's like, they're not going to send TIE fighters after us. Like, just famous last words so then out come the tie fighters and into the maelstrom they go but they realize at this point that they can take l3's brain because she has a really detailed navigate navigation basically of the entire system and so they're like well we can go through the maelstrom and use l3's brain if we connect it to the ship to get through basically so then we they do that and they try and L3 becomes part of the ship and she does and so then they gotta fight the TIE fighters so this is kind of like one of your big action sequence space battles I guess you could call it yeah it was also that callback to A New Hope when Luke and Han are fighting in it so I'm like okay I get it I mean it's funny because every time we see like it happened when we get to Force Awakens this happens too but every time someone goes on the Millennium Falcon like actor wise they're like I got to be in the thing with Luke and like shooting blah 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 I'm like okay like I, they always make it a big thing that they're in the little cockpit to shoot <laughs> the tie fighters and all that. Like, okay, cool, I got it. Um, but basically, this is where we get the famous line where Han made the Kessel Run in twelve parsecs uh, because he basically does light speed, and they were able to escape through the maelstrom, and they make it just in the nick of time to yes. Savarine. <laughs> just, just in the nick of time. Yes, and they almost destroy the Falcon in doing so. <laughs> and this is where it becomes a hunk of junk versus the really nice ship that it was, you know, when we first started out, which I think is just really funny. Like when they get off and Lando's like looking back at it and he's like, oh my gosh, he's like, what did you do? And then he just goes to like think on his ship. <laughs> but they get to Savarine and they're going to have everything refined. And guess who shows up? Those little Marooters. The, I can't, I can't remember what they were called again. But again, see, I just, I don't care enough to know who they are. I just call them the pirates. So the pirates yeah, show that, up. 
That's what they are. Yes. And basically we find out that her and her crew are trying to go against the Empire and the syndicates because they've just been made homeless. Their families have died. They're going through struggles consistently because of everything that's been going on. And so because of that, they decide they're going to help the again, the pirates to uh, fight off against Dryden Boss when he shows up. And Han's like, the Empire's too big for all that, but like, I'll help you with Dryden Boss. So they end up getting all this um, refined, and then Dryden Boss shows up um, to, and basically have like two storylines going on at the same time again, where we have um, the syndicates coming out and they're going after again the pirates and then we have han and uh beckett and kira and everybody else basically goes on to uh the cruiser to go and deliver their coaxium yes and we get all of the twist in this part so kira and han and chewie go in and they're like here's the coaxium and then dryden is like let me see it i want to see it and then he's like this is a really good fake and they're like what are you talking about He's like, it's a really good fake because I had an inside man. And you're like, who? And then Beckett comes in and you realize that Beckett is the one who betrayed them. So then Beckett, you know, kind of turns on Dryden and takes the coaxium for himself with Chewie, which then leads to a fight between Kira, Dryden and Han. Um, and for a hot minute, you think Kira is going to kill Han, but then she kills Dryden instead. All while this is happening, we realize that the pirates aren't actually the pirates. And they, I don't know what you would call it. They like basically dressed up decoys, decoys. Yes. Star Wars likes to do decoys. They use decoys. <laughs> um, and then they kill all of Dryden's men. So therefore eliminating the threat. And yeah, and then Kira's like, she, she's like, oh, she's like, you go. I need to get these, you know, fakest diamonds in the world. So we have some money and, and I'll meet up with you. And, you know, she's not going to meet up with him and then sends Han on his merry way. Yes. So as they go out with Beckett and all that jazz, um, Kira basically takes Boss's ring, which makes her the new crime boss. And we see that uh, the person who is in charge of Crimson Dawn, because she's only in charge of one small part of Crimson Dawn, is none other than Darth Maul. I have so many questions. Like, he showed up, and I was like, what is happening? Um, To be honest, I do not have answers for you. Like, if you ask me anything, I do not have answers for you for this one. Like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> like, Clone Wars doesn't even set that up. So, like, I don't, there's no connection. None. Does he die in Clone Wars? If I remember correctly, wait, 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 he does not. Okay, so that lines up. He's not dead. Yeah. So he could still be there doing things. Yes, because, uh, that's right, because I had to think about it for a minute. Ahsoka, fun fact, Ahsoka Tano sets Darth Maul free at the end of Season 7 of Clone Wars. So, wait. Basically, she can escape while the the clone troopers are going after him for executive for Order sixty six. Got it. Okay, so somehow he is still alive, and he is now running this crime syndicate. I I I was just not that was not something that I was expecting from this film, and I feel like they were trying to set up a sequel yes. to answer some of these questions, but I don't I don't think this is getting a sequel. So I have... Or is it? It's not. It's not because it did so bad. Okay. It, it's not. But I do have a small idea slash theory that could still bring all this in, that could revive at least Kira 
because a lot of people liked Kira. Even, um, I think there's an animated series called, I think there is an animated series, but I think it's called Forces of Destiny, where it's basically a show all about the female characters of Star Wars. And they have their own little, like, side plots and all that, and Kira's part of it. So, like, they definitely were pushing for, like, hey, we have, we have another strong female in Star Wars. Um, so, my theory is, because they made the callback in The Mandalorian to midichlorians, because I have a whole theory on that. Like, that's a whole thing when we get to Mandalorian. I have a whole theory on what happened in season two of that. Um, but be- okay. because of the Book of Boba coming out, and that's all about crime lords and everything, I doubt it'll happen, but my idea is we're going to see an older Kira in this, hmm. and potentially that could reignite people being like, let's tell the story of what happened after Solo. And how Kira got to this point in Book of Boba. And have it just be about her. That could be very interesting. I would be interested in seeing that because I feel like the way this film ended with her, she's a much more interesting character, possibly being bad or just like kind of like morally convoluted where it's like, you know, she's kind of ended up in this place and making these decisions so she can survive. And I think it'd be interesting. I don't really think she got enough in this film to really fully delve into why Kira is doing what she's doing. Like you get her kind of referencing, I've done things like, like you don't know who I am anymore. I've done all of this, but what has she done? Like what, what was that? I think that would be interesting to like, look at given where this ended and the kind of the questions (laughs) like that part of it feels incomplete. Like clearly where we end with Han and Chewie and Lando getting the ship, um and kind of you know going on their merry way like obviously that wraps up that storyline pretty well and gets us to where we are but i feel like that could be a really great continuation of the story maybe one day they will explore it yeah i'm hoping so because i know this is around the time that like i know kathleen kennedy is still in charge as far as i know as of right now she's still in charge of lucasfilm and all that but people were like, yo, you're leading Star Wars into the dirt with the sequel trilogy, with Solo. Like, your only good thing that you did was Rogue One. Like, everyone was just like, Rogue One was so good. Like, how could you basically mess everything else up? Like, you mess up four or five movies. That's why we went so long without any Star Wars. And that's why everyone's in love with The Mandalorian, because it's so different from everything else. Um, but anyways, so we do all that. And then basically Han sees all this happen. And Beck, it's like, I told you so. You can't trust people, like blah, blah, blah. And this is when we also get a callback to A New Hope because Beckett tries to shoot Han and Han shoots first, which is always the who shot first, Greedo or Han, and this whole ordeal. So we have all that. That wraps up that. And they decide that they are going to go. Oh, sorry. They also, um, the pirates ask Han to basically join them to in the fight against the empire and he says no nah, i'm good like i don't really feel like that's I, I forget he says a line that he also says in the original trilogy that i can't remember but it's basically like i mm. i don't have time for that or that's too big or i'm not a hero or whatever the case might be so um we jump a little bit and he finds lando because lando in the middle of all this fighting that was going on he left he left them on the planet with the millennium falcon <laughs> he peaced he out really did. yeah so we find him again and he basically goes okay cool we're gonna do some the game is sabak which by the way you can buy the game in batu 
I've been so tempted to buy it just to be like, let's play it. But I'm like, watch me be the only person that can play it or I'm just going to play it by myself. <laughs> so they go and play Sabacc, which is basically Star Wars poker. And um, as you said before, that um, Lando cheated. And so Han made sure they couldn't cheat this time by taking his card that he would have used. And he ends up winning and he gets the Millennium Falcon. Now, this is the only thing that like, I'm, I'm glad that he has a Millennium Falcon that sets everything up the way it's supposed to. But I, in my head now, I'm like, L3 must be pissed. Like, L3 must be like, yo, why the hell is this dude who was a pain in the butt and basically got me killed is now in charge of me? Like, <laughs> I, like that's the only thing that bothers me. I'm like, L3 is the Millennium Falcon now. So why why did you separate Lando and L3? I mean, it's sad, but... It also then still continues to make sense why in episode five, Lando goes, this is my ship. And Han's like, no, it's mine. He's like, homeboy, like, this is my ship. So it kind of makes sense why he's like so attached to the Falcon still. Yes, yes, it does. And it ends with Han and Chewie flying off into space saying they'll have lots of wonderful adventures, basically. Yep, and that wraps up solo a star wars story this film was just it just wasn't exciting like i don't think it was it's definitely not as bad as i thought it was going to be but it just wasn't like it wasn't anything special i didn't i didn't feel like like outside of the scene with darth maul and kira and and lando like the parts with lando it was just kind of like it just was it just exists like yeah i i will agree with that like kira i really enjoyed getting to know kira um this is the one thing like i kind of liked the idea of this crime lord idea because i was really tired of just always people going to well oh no why am i blanking on his name java there's always just java like we only think of java and that's it i'm like no like why can't like there has to be others and i kind of like the aesthetic of crimson dawn in terms of that because like Jabba's is just very like I just you when we get to episode four you will find out my disdain for Tatooine as a whole <laughs> like it was okay when I mean you saw it and like when we talked about the Phantom Menace but like I just I, Tatooine is just not my favorite I would much rather be on Jakku than Tatooine <laughs> yeah to Tatooine is it's it's just a very dull boring planet and we can definitely talk about that when we get to to episode four uh but yeah I definitely like the aesthetic of it's just more it kind of reminds me of kind of like great Gatsby feeling like Mm -hmm. it's very kind of opulent very nice very pretty even in like the design of Dresden's um like knives that he had like those were super cool I really liked those. I I want a set of like those like energy blades. I, I don't know what I'd do with them, but I want them. <laughs> I like those. <laughs> yeah, but cool. I agree with you. Yeah. Oh yeah, but I agree with you. Like Lando and Kira are like I feel like the only interesting parts of this movie. I just really didn't care for what was going on with Han. Like of course I love Chewie, but like Chewie was just there. The it didn't feel like super high stake to me. Like this is the problem with going into the past and like them being like oh like are they gonna like i think we talked about this when we got to black widow and we will whenever we get to black widow i just i never was concerned they always put them in these situations of like will they make it will they will i'm like of course they're gonna make it they're in the next movie or they're in the next sequence of events that happens so i don't 
like when movies put them in these situations where you don't know if they'll survive when you know they're going to survive. Yeah, I 1000% agree with you on that because like you said, we know that Han has done the, we know they do the castle run. We know they make it out. We know at least Han, Chewie, and Lando all survive to the next films. And I I completely agree when we talk Black Widow, we will talk more about this, but it is the same thing. Like, obviously we know when Black Widow dies, we know she's in Infinity War. So while the film is still exciting in a sense, it doesn't have those stakes for your main characters where you're like, what is going to happen? Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about this when we get during our eternal spoiler review but when you don't know where these characters are going there is a lot more interest and investment into them and allows more shock for when things happen to them and i do think your point earlier when we were chatting was with that a lot of the characters don't stick around a lot in this movie long enough for you to actually care about them and to get to know them um, I think that really negatively affects feeling like you want to rewatch this movie because, yeah, in the prequels, like there were characters they brought in and out rather quickly. But if you think about it, they had most of their characters consistently in the film yeah. for the majority of the film. So you really felt like you could invest in their story. Whereas when people are just dying left and right after you meet them, it's like, well, why, why should I care? Yeah. Or even in like the prequel stuff that we learned about, if the character exists and they disappeared again, they served an actual purpose to like carry whatever, like, for example, yes, uh, Rio was per like his purpose was to okay now Han is the pilot. You didn't need to have you know an actual character to like feel for that. You could have just been like, we have a droid that does this, and it's like a droid that like doesn't do much and isn't very like whatever. So like it malfunctioning or dying like isn't a big deal. The same thing with his wife slash girlfriend slash whatever she was. She wasn't there long enough for me to be like, oh, it's sad. Like it's sad for him. But I'm not invested enough, even in Beckett at that point, to be like, this sucks for either one of them. Yeah, and they, they didn't really give you a reason to invest in their relationship to any point, like to understand that, yes, they're married. They like love each other really deeply. Yeah, it's just missing on a lot of a lot of those levels um, for me. So what do you give this as your final lightsaber rating i'm giving it a four out of ten i know pretty pretty low but like i i haven't i hadn't watched this movie in a while until the rewatch and after the rewatch i'm like i don't this is why i don't want to watch it like i'm not interested and i don't have a big desire to watch it yeah i i agree with you i think i give it a 4.5 it definitely is not one that i like, like I said, it's not like bad, but it's not great. And when movies are just like that, I don't have like a desire to go back and rewatch them and get to know the characters. Um, I just, I just don't feel like they did a good job making me really care about the primary characters. Like, obviously, love Chewie, love Lando. Um, Paul Bettany was really great in his role but as the core people you're following through the film I just I don't think they did a good job of making you really want to invest in them and then revisit this film and see them again it, we talk, I talk about this a lot with Marvel like I genuinely like 
like these characters are like a family to me like I hold them so dear to my heart and I absolutely love Han Solo like he's one of my favorites from the original trilogy and to have kind of this fall so flatly when I really do enjoy the character I think just says that clearly they weren't sure what they wanted to do with this they were just trying to make they were trying to make a film obviously to get people you know to get to know Han Solo but I don't know it just didn't it didn't feel like Han Solo yeah and I also kind of and I also kind of think they didn't need to do this like I kind of liked the idea of just there was all these stories about Han Solo and you just it was one of those like you you had to be there to get it and that's where with this is like oh we're trying to explain it now it's like but now this kind of like ruins the illusion of Han Solo it just makes him seem like a whiny little dude that like doesn't know how to get his act together yeah and he's just in love with a girl like yeah jumps from girl to girl to girl apparently (laughs) and uses the same moves and uses the same moves (laughs) clearly (laughs) but yeah and people have said that even about the mcu they're like oh well there are these there's these gaps in the timeline we could go back and do this we could go back and do that but i don't think it's necessary to know every beat for every character in a movie like this like we can use our imaginations we can imagine han going on all of these adventures they can reference them in future films but we don't necessarily need to see every character's origin story which we will talk about when we get to Spider-Man because I have very specific thoughts about that. Like when in terms of like an origin story, like you really don't need to see always how someone became who they were. We can like find that out in other more interesting ways. A lot of the time. Agreed. So yeah, now that we've, Oh, now we've gone through all of this, we are going to be in the next movie that sets up the original trilogy rogue one another star wars story another star wars story yes i'm i'm pretty excited to rewatch this i I, i've seen it once so i have seen this one (laughs) i also have very specific thoughts on this one so i feel like we're gonna have kind of like what we did with revenge of the Sith. so i'm be prepared i feel like yeah i feel like we're gonna have differing thoughts on this so it's definitely gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting talk 100 percent. i say i love those those are my favorite kinds well so that brings us to the end of our episode as we mentioned last time we have a patreon now and we are going to be discussing the eternals on that so if you want to hear all of our spoiler filled thoughts be sure to check out the link in our bio and subscribe to our patreon but if you just want to hang out with us you know, on, on, on Instagram, you can find us at Disney geeks. It's, uh, oh, I forgot what Should it we, was. It's, I think it's Disney geeks. The pod that we double check. Cause now I'm also confused too. <laughs> I say it's been a long week. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's Disney geeks. The yep. pod. Disney geeks, the pod. Yep. That's what it is. All right. Clear, clearly we are really great at this. Um, if you just want to follow our crazy regular lives, I am the tiniest Avenger with underscores in between each word. And I am Rod Meets World with an H. And we will see you on our very next episode. Bye.